Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Also, I have a new album coming out called Comeback World. For tour dates and more information, please visit josepharthur.com and follow me on Instagram, joseph underscore arthur. Today's episode is Robin Hitchcock. Dude, your songs are amazing, by the way. I've been, I've been going down a rabbit hole. I've re- it's, it's like phenomenal, your songs. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Uh, that Queen Elvis one is particularly oh. spectacular. And then there's a one about unresolved personality crisis. Oh, uncorrected personality traits. Yeah. Yeah. Un- yeah. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> that is like, there. it's so incredibly complicated lyrically, like in terms of just like understanding human psychology and like, oh, just like the whole... Yeah, like what creates our sexualities and stuff like that, and uh, all the, the that kind of stuff. I don't know. Like, thanks. Seems like, seems like you've done a lot of introspection in that regard. I don't know, really. They songs, as you know, they have a mind of their own, and they yeah. kind of they may form, they may crystallize inside you for a long time, and then they'll come out. Mm-hmm. I feel like that they're hewn in a different chamber. Yeah. different cave in the head from how your conscious right. mind and your intentions go so mm. maybe some thoughts crystallized in me a long time back and then they just were well, you know they just came out perfectly formed but that seldom happens with songs a lot of songs are fusing bits and pieces together and occasionally you'll get something that comes out like a nugget mm-hmm. intact and that was one such i mean there was really? no there's no effort involved. I just realized I was singing it to myself, and I thought, oh, hang on, this is coming through. So I, it's like taking dictation, you know. Man, and it's I, like, yeah, it could be like a psychological thesis, probably, <laughs> like in a less than two-minute-long song. Mm. Well, you never know what's going to pop out of your head, really, do you? <laughs> no, particularly if you're you. And me, I no, guess, but you... Um, <laughs> Well, uh, in, yeah, I suppose in this business, you know, you're encouraged. In some ways, you're encouraged to let things come out. In other ways, you're sort of, especially now, kind of the business, the song, it's been around so long that the the channels, the grooves are quite well-worn, you know, indie rock, Americana, Stuff that's been around a long time. And then lots of stuff I really don't know what it is because I'm quite old, you know. So yeah. um, I just feel like if I was a kid now, I'm not sure I would be a musician. Really? I think I came in at a good window. Yeah. I think it's harder for people. Um, you know, if I, was, if I was 19 now, would I be hanging around with it, you know, sitting in the bedroom with the acoustic guitar instead of a girlfriend kind of thing? Right. I mean, all that old stuff is still there to be, uh, in, in a way, it's very history-driven now. So you'll get 19-year-olds who are sitting there listening to Nick Drake and yeah. wishing themselves into that world. I don't know. Yeah, and uh, you, though. There's probably lots of 19-year-olds listening to you. What, wanting to me? <laughs> Boy, I I hope so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there definitely is. Um, well, a lot of people who used to... I get people bringing their kids and their kids are grown up now and the kids are bringing their parents mm-hmm. to the shows. I bought dad a ticket to your show for his birthday. You know, it's that mm. kind of thing. But um, I don't know, any any communication with another human being is a, is a, a wonderful thing, you know, if the chance sometimes, arises. Sometimes. <laughs> but, you know, you say things, you don't always know how, how they're going to be received. So yeah. and often people will think you might have meant more by something than you did you know uh-huh. um but that's good the main the most important thing is to appeal to people's imaginations yeah the people i loved as a kid you know there's going to be a big old sort of it's going to be a dillathon again up there everybody kind yeah. of going yeah. through their their favorite dylan songs um you know bob dylan 
appeal to people's imaginations like like David Bowie did yeah and I suppose all of us in our own spheres you have to hope that you do appeal to people's imaginations I don't know you must get that you know yeah how do you think that happens well like or or, or what does what determines that it like to the degree or lack thereof um, I think it's intention. I, if, I th- really think if you listen to enough records and it's something you want to do, then you will eventually be able to do it. I mean, I had no musical talent. I was good with words from a very early age, mm-hmm. you know, and um, and I could name all the dinosaurs by the time I was six, and I was probably a real pain to the olders around me, you know, because mm-hmm. <laughs> what's important to a six-year-old doesn't always strike a tired adult in quite the same way mm. um but i i had no musical gifts and i just so badly wanted to be one of those people that i you know i'd look at you're 15 or you know those records come in in my case being 15 my sort of being 13 was my sort of psychedelic bar mitzvah i got i 13 i was 13 the year Blonde on Blonde and Revolver and came out and um, mm-hmm. and I so I was seventeen, sixteen, <laughs> I was fifteen when um, Are You Experienced came out and mm. Piper at the Gates of Dawn and uh, you know the first Airplane records and Forever Changes and the Velvet Underground mm. first all that came through into my fourteen-year-old third eye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so by the time I was fifteen, it was. It was a no-brainer. That was where I wanted to go. It mm. doesn't mean I necessarily was going to have any success at it. Mm. Um, but I was just, I was magnetized. And I think if you're magnetized by something, in the end, you yourself become magnetic to some degree. I mean, not the same, you know. I'm, I'm very few people became the modern equivalent of the Beatles or... Dylan well some people did in terms of popularity yeah not necessarily you know people like REM were enormously popular and they had they were people with a a big collective love of music Mm -hmm. and they drew on an awful lot but you know by the time REM became prominent all they could they could lend their weight to political causes and they could advertise you know, do a poster where they're all reading a book saying, hey, kids, read a book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, but they weren't, there wasn't a position to be an avatar of modern consciousness. <laughs> what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, like, you couldn't be... Um, like John Lennon was? Yeah, something? yeah, and hopefully you wouldn't meet the same fate. So no matter how much people adored Michael Stipe, mm-hmm. he wasn't going to be the same kind of figure he couldn't be even Bono you know Bono might go out and do an awful lot of good and he may have saved many lives Mm -hmm. and he's very careful to make friends rather than enemies Mm -hmm. you know his whole he he seems to be a very diplomatic inclusive kind of guy but um, I don't think they they're not in a position to become to reflect the times and create the times the same way because the times aren't the same. The momentum between 1962 and 1969 mm. was vast. The momentum yeah. between 1980 and 2000, you can measure it out in technology. I mean, the last 20 years, could you, if somebody walked in here wearing clothes from 1995, could we even tell? Right. You know, I think uh, I am wearing clothes from 1995. <laughs> well, uh, me too. I love uh, Robin. He always shows up with, uh, with the best t-shirts, shirts. When that's not back. a t-shirt, bro. Sure, sure. It's always with dots. Always. <laughs> this has actually only got. Taste. This is only great t-shirts. This has got. Shirts, this yeah. has got semi dots. Uh, <laughs> but um, last no. Half, wore, last half time I saw moons. you wore a bright red shirt, also with dots. I've got some dots with me in my suitcase, yeah, upstairs. The dots will be out tonight. But, you know, that, I mean, that's all from the 60s. Dylan and the Beatles all wore polka dots. I think the Beatles had them before Dylan did. Yeah. It's all Carnaby Street, you know. I mean, I'm not doing anything new. My claim to fame, if anything, is to be a stopped clock. 
somebody who reliably catapults people back to 1967 on some level or other you know whether um you know and yeah but i don't i think that's too reductive i mean even if you don't mean it to be um well it's one of my tricks (laughs) i think you're up in that echelon of those people it's just interesting what you're saying of yeah it's times it's like yeah it's like yeah yeah to reach that position of culture i guess what you're talking about like just kind of became impossible i guess on some level even if it was like even if you became even more famous or as famous like in the case of bono still the weight of the personality and culture is different than it was it's different because in a way it's all been done before yeah and what those people were doing just by chance had never or had never happened in our culture as we know it yeah um, and I always see myself as the last 60s character to hatch out. Mm. You know, my my window of prominence was actually the late 80s and early 90s when I was on MTV a bit and I had a couple of radio hits. I never sold much, you know. Right. Um, I've always existed more like a folk singer, really. But, but my attitude um, for ill or good is based on the attitudes of those people in... 66 67 whatever it was I, you know they i don't know if they knew what they wanted to be they were just those sort of explorers really mm-hmm. and i i see myself psychically as part of that mm-hmm. I, I like i so when i say i'm a stopped clock i say that with a certain amount of pride right. I, I maintain <laughs> I sort of you know i'm like a little sort of um i don't know gibraltar or um you know some place with a microclimate that technically shouldn't exist but somehow i do and i mean i'll eventually i'll be swept away or you know but i'm i touch wood people kind of let me do what i do and and i so i i hope i still have that attitude to songs which is that you can put anything you want in a song Mm -hmm. songs are not they're not simply something to accompany your lifestyle um how do you mean that? I mean that yes, that songs are sort of can be essentially pop music celebrates life under capitalism, and so in the sort of the the explosion of money post-war kind of. You're talking about current pop music. Um, I think it all. I think it probably always has to. Yeah. Because of the nature of the way it's distributed, it's popular. It's popular, and yeah. so even if actually it's popular to say capitalism sucks and yeah. that kind Do of thing, it's you revolt into uh, you know revolt into style. Um, essentially, um, I do, but I think it's really that's an extension of saying human nature sucks, which it does, and, <laughs> and this is the big. The big problem is it's very hard to get to number one by saying human nature sucks. Having said that, <laughs> in a way, that's just what Bob Dylan has always said. <laughs> you know, so it, th- there, there is a, a market, an audience for it if you say it the right way. You know. Well, I think if you just said it like that, maybe you would get number one. Human nature sucks. Well, that's pretty good. I will, I will, I will put that. I'll put that as a rush release. That as a single. Yeah. <laughs> Good evening, world. I got some news for you. What's that? Human nature sucks. Oh boy, yeah. I mean, there's the intro. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear it. Hey, do I suck? It yes. Re- and me? You suck. Sure. Do I suck? You totally suck. <laughs> Woo. Yeah. I mean, it's wow. It's abs- and, and everything that happens. Human nature does suck. <laughs> well, it does, and also, and this isn't news. You know, the worst people rise to the top. Um, Do you think so? Malfeasance is rewarded. It's proved. What's malfeasance mean? Uh, malfeasance is wrongdoing, okay. evil. It's a, a term that a friend of mine in Tucson uses. I love that word, but um, he was using it about the neocons, who now seem like a quaint, early form of kind of like some kind of rash or outbreak that's might infectious for a couple of weeks and dies away. Mm. Think how terrifying Rumsfeld and Cheney and that lot seemed, but now it's like fine. At least those guys could read, and um, <laughs> you know. I won't so forget something. He, 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 last time I saw you was 2016 down here in this very room, and we, it was the day of the election. 
um, and you did okay. a session, and, and you said just before the session, I hope uh, everybody does the right thing today. <laughs> well, that's a rare burst of optimism from me, yeah, then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just I thought about oh, that. Oh, yeah. Today. No. Um, you know, and I... I it didn't uh, go our way. Uh, it didn't, and um, I also hope that they do the... the but who knows what everybody is, you know. It, it's uh, Britain has similar problems. Australia has similar problems. Um, uh, but all I, I... It's its basically a fundamental flaw in human nature that... Um, it's that the old saying, you know, one rotten apple spoils the barrel. Uh, you can't have a hundred villainous mean-minded people and three righteous souls enter the room and somehow the the villainous people all kind of become detoxic and oh right okay this is great i'm in the presence of goodness i'm no, gonna lay down ones. my you know what you need you need you know one person with a machine gun can kill a hundred people who are unarmed and that's essentially what's been happening politically uh -huh. all around the world they're just thugs you know and thugs and bullies are hard to stand up to the domino effect of fascism is proven and it's very easily done and um there is a kind of low cunning genius in people who operate like that like the current president uh his bumbling you know, I say old boy counterpart in Britain, Boris Johnson, and these mm -hmm. people are not good people. But, uh, you know, I mean, that's, that's self-evident. <laughs> right. But, but there's, the problem is that there's something in human nature that keeps allowing these people to come back. You can't just say, oh, it's a result of bad economic choices or, you know, technology or an earthquake or something. No, the shittiest people keep rising to power because what good person would want power over others, you know? Yeah, that's true. I don't want power over people. I'd like people to listen to me and, and so I can make enough money to keep doing it. But I yeah. I don't want to dominate. Yeah. And I don't want... Um, big crowds frighten me. I mean, as you can see from my career, I don't have to deal with them. Um, it so, you it know... It reminds me of your song, I Want to Destroy You. Oh, God. So yes. Like, and that song to me is like this like sort of uh, anthem of narcissistic personality disorder but that's the way i listen to it you know it could it could mean a lot more different things too but like just that n human nature of actually wanting to destroy somebody you could mean it in a good way too i mean it's such a uplift it's oddly such a great uplifting song you know i think that's the harmonies that morris yeah, and kim put in <laughs> yeah it's a, it's brilliant that, yeah thank you like uh but what do you think of that? Do you, do you know anything about like narcissistic personality disorder and I guess all this stuff you're talking about, but do you think that song relates to what you're talking about? Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was, I wrote it in seven, 79, so it's 40 years old now. Um, it still sounds and, uh, so good, man. If that came out today, it'd be like crushing. <laughs> well, it it last appeared as a Subway commercial, so you know, which was great. Oh, really? We, got we, paid? Oh, we got paid, so you know, it's That's great. We were good. We all got we, Subway. We, everybody needed some money. Yeah, I don't even eat chicken teriyaki, but that's what it was I'm used not for. Tell. So, <laughs> well, actually, the first thing I ever ate when I came to this New York in 1980 was a Subway sandwich. So there's yeah. karma for you. Yeah. Um, there you go. But no, we. Um, I, I, that was that kind of that, that song is. It's essentially a protest song about the self-destructive nature of people, about people's desire to, the f about, about not just the killer instinct, but the instinct to kill yourself, you know, to punch the mirror. Mm. Um, and it seems like that's really what so much of humanity about is about, is about punching the mirror. You know, it costs, 15 million lives in the Great War Germany Britain and France and then America spent four years just pouring men into not even into coffins just into horrific death in the mud because because that's what they did <laughs> you know when things like that come up you just think that now is the time for assisted suicide and there's no knowing when any of us is going to find it it's a, the safe best alternative is to take your own life rather than face what's coming um i never think Wait, you know what? well you then mean, maybe even if your health is still intact your health is intact but if the world is 
if the world gets to a certain point um, when certainly if it came to the use of nuclear weapons which right. could you know could you, happen it could second. happen any second um, uh, there are a lot of fates that would be worse than than just dying in your own hands um, I just feel that's something I've got to got to be aware of you know it's not not the same as a depressed person taking their life it's just thinking you know like people in the when the nazis were getting smashing through europe you know you get people who just knew they would be better off slitting their wrists before the knock came on the door and the boots came through the glass you know just that kind of thing this reminds me though of like i feel like the only the, the best way to combat that is to become like hopelessly optimistic and sort of fight off despair because despair is like like is that whole f- comment like if you look into the abyss the abyss looks back at you sort of thing yes i mean the you abyss know like the and, 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 and <laughs> we can yeah. like tilt like we can resist despair in other words like because i feel like the media and i mean like is pushing us to despair and and, and all that stuff and and I yeah. know it sounds like and then people say well you have it easy you it's easy for you to say to resist despair if you say something like that it's hard to even say something like that because then people are like you motherfucker you're privileged you know what i mean yeah, like yeah. even saying resist despair and be optimistic is is a, is a hard thing to say cuz you come off sounding like a dupe you know but i feel like that's the other the other thing is too dark to imagine. Like we're gonna cut our wrist now because nuclear bombs are gonna you know are oh. imminent. You know. Well, I wouldn't do it now. I'd wait no. till I'd, I'd wait till they'd gone off. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not talking about till you get that tweet nuclear bomb. Why not? I'm not. Yeah, I don't. It could be a conspiracy. <laughs> That's a, another reason I'm off Twitter and I don't have the news on my phone oh, and things. Really? You know, I'd get I'd get something yeah. saying. Um, North Korean missile lands in the sea just off Japan. Like, what the fuck? Jesus, yeah. you know, this doom is re- vibrating against my femur right. as I'm walking along, you People know. And are I, addicted to it. Yeah. I, 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 um, I am addicted no, to the, it. The, the amount of bad information, or not bad information, like negativity that it's comes from yeah. the phone. That's what I mean. If you get the news feed, just the news yeah, feed. Yeah, just the news feed, or then you go on Instagram and see all the people yeah. having a better life than you, and it's like it gets depressing. <laughs> I when, think when I'd, I'd rather I'd rather see the better life. Yeah. Actually, I quite like Instagram because people I tend to inst- they Instagram what they like. Yeah, you know, cats, guitars, yeah. anniversaries, favorite gigs I've been to. You know, Here's yeah, he's a tune. <laughs> Where you know? The <laughs> when did you disconnect from Twitter? Um, I go on and off. Yeah. None of my habits are permanent, yeah. except cheese. <laughs> That's, that's, that's the only thing I do all the time. Did you ever be? A, did you ever get into stand-up comedy or anything like? You're so good with the banter. Like you have a particular gift with that. Thank you. Gift of I, words. I, gift I'm, of gab. I'm, I'm lucky in that. Psychedelic but, uh, gab. <laughs> I I went along to some comedy clubs and I put my toe in it, but actually, um, away from the guitar. You know, it's not really for me. It's and hard, and also comedy, you've got to rely on a script and all that stuff. And I don't, I like to improvise. Um, Some people I don't improvise, like to, though. Oh, you, I mean, you can. I think the, the, you know, the great thing is you've got all your, as a comedian, you have your set pieces like songs. And then you, mm-hmm. you can riff in between them and see where it goes. Yeah. But I don't think I could, I couldn't face being up there without a guitar, you know. And I, also it's a balance. The songs come from feeling mm-hmm. and the the words come from thinking if you like yeah. so the 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 verbal stuff is kind of intellectual and it resolves itself in laughter the songs are basically quite sad Emotion. and um i've just realized that camera's on and i haven't been sitting up straight shit um so um <laughs> here we are that's better um so i I uh, I and this this is this is a good you well you don't have to yet but when you're my age every every inch inch counts man (laughs) here we are that's it Um, so yeah I'm I'm lucky in that respect yeah well your words do seem to come from the subconscious though too like uh, did because your dad was a novelist right. 
He was an interesting series of people. He was a soldier, then he was <laughs> a, a a kind of electronic a communications engineer, early satellites and stuff uh -huh. he was wow. involved in. And then he started... He, he made satellites? He was involved in w what became Mercury um, communication satellites. I have no idea what he did. He might have been a spy. He used to go to conferences. <laughs> He'd go up to London every... <laughs> every day and and he started drawing cartoons <laughs> and doing paintings and then he 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 did less he sort of still went to conferences but he painted at home and did car and cartoons and then he he mutated into a novelist That's and he wrote one his first novel was about a man who needs a penis transplant and he gets one and then he eventually finds out who the donor is so it's what the British press what? called a romp, and it was made into a movie. Was that Percy? Is Percy, yeah. yeah. And Ray Davis and the Kinks did the music. That's so amazing. My, that's crazy. So that catapulted my father, <laughs> Raymond. He suddenly earned an awful lot of money, and then it never happened again, but it kind of launched him. That's and incredible. And then he, he wrote a variety of sort of spy stories and a really good book about... Uh, People back to World War One. Um, people tunneling under enemy lines because it was a stalemate for four years. The Germans and the Allies would both spend, you know, months tunneling under each other's lines, hoping they could make a tunnel big enough to send a whole load of their troops through. And both both sides did it. And in my father's book. There's a point where a German tunnel and a British tunnel meet up, and what happens then? You know, and what it, happened? Um, it's not good, but at least one of them survives. But you know, it's it's basically sad. It's and and it was that was a very great, really good book. And he he wrote those. He did. He never did music. So the one thing I do that he didn't is music. That's probably why I do it. That's wild. So, but I was you raised. Really do you know, do all those things too. You're a cartoonist and a painter and everything. I can draw and paint stories. and write, but I'm my main thing is music. I'm, yeah. I, because the because it's the most emotional. So, That's you know, you must have that. You just you can't keep away from the guitar or the piano. If you spend more than a week away from an instrument, you start to wilt. You yeah. know, you just like there's some oxygen that's not getting through to your system and you know, I love. I'm about to start some more paintings and mm -hmm. uh, uh, illustrations. Um, after quite a long gap, I'm now going to start doing that again. But, but in terms of just playing, you know, you you have to kind of play and sing. It's good for the soul. It is, isn't it? Um, and more than anything, I suppose that's probably the the prime addiction along with cheese and, uh, <laughs> there's and that cheese again che I, what's uh, with you and cheese uh, well I know Shlomo's got some cheese up there I'm hoping they're going to bust I hope they're going to well actually I'm we a bit we have a cheese plate <laughs> yes what no our cheese platter our research was uh, off I guess uh, been, been here at the <laughs> we would have winery for an hour and no one's bust produced a cheese platter I'll, I'll uh, but yeah no I'm very I'm very close to cheese <laughs> what's your favourite type of cheese um, it's a red French cheese that looks Dutch and it has an enormous specific gravity mass. Like, I think, you know, particles flying through space are drawn to this stuff. It, it's in a kind of sphere, almost looks like, like a red plastic type of thing. Well, it's almost, yeah. It, it's called mimolette. It kind of looks like a honeyed cantaloupe melon from the out, you know, if you cut a slice of it. But uh -huh. it's very dense and thick, hard to cut not good to eat if your teeth are going to fall out but then what is yeah. and um mimolette is probably my favorite along with manchego and um uh pecorino but you know good cheddars will work i don't know yeah do you like cheese i do yeah like raw raw milk ones oh not pa i try to stay away from the pasteurized stuff i'm into goat milk kefir lately goat milk kefir what's that it's like yogurt drink Oh. Made out of goat milk. I oh. drink like a quart of it every day. It's weird. Is it? Is it but it's kind like of probiotic? Oh, type so of it's stuff. good on the stomach. I think so. Probably very settling. Do you drink coffee? I drink a ton of coffee. Okay. That's probably why I'm drawn to it. You probably need the kefir 
bed on which the coffee can something's, fall. Something's yeah. happening because I'm yeah. weirdly drawn to it. I go to it every day at Whole Foods and get it after yoga class. Do you do anything like uh, you're you're well like you're maintained really well? You know, like do you do anything like yoga, exercise? What what's your I routine? walk a lot and I sometimes uh, and I cycle. I haven't got. Occasionally, I go to the torture gym, um, where they compress your, they compress a week's activity into eight minutes, and the following day your whole body aches. If you do this enough, you develop mysterious pectorals, but I haven't quite done that. But I do little things, you know, just to kind of stop myself becoming completely obese and um, degenerate. So I'm always giving something up, except for cheese, right. pretty much, and coffee. So I will go in and out of all the other things that you can do. I don't eat meat. I don't eat. I don't eat crap. But you know, then things like chips fries are very hard to resist sometimes yeah um and avoid yeah i don't know you look good thank you i, I exercise a lot well i've seen pictures of you and on I post instagram them, I annoyingly post about it um <laughs> running around and <laughs> yeah. you look extremely fit i am like it's my oh. new addiction um, but well, i think it's a good one it's good know. it's all compul you know it's use your compulsion exactly um you a lot of us have to keep doing the same things. So yeah. you just want to make them into something, something positive. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, you know, I, I Lord knows it. I've done the other thing in the past. Well, and it's, so it's like it's nice to. And then this one's been consistent. I've been doing it pretty consistently for about three and a half years now. So wow, well done. So yeah, it's not just a phase anymore. I feel like I'm out of the phase category. And into like this could be a lifestyle. Well, it takes a while to reprogram oneself, well, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the thing. That's why I've been working uh, on hardcore. And uh, where do you live? I live in the city. I live in uh, East Village, Avenue A. So those pictures of you jogging around um, East, by East River, right? Okay, because that's what people do in movies. You know that. <laughs> yeah. If somebody <laughs> goes I'm jogging. In my own movie. <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the world. Yeah. Welcome, <laughs> welcome to, all to of us. welcome to New York. Yeah. Um, uh, God, well that looks good. I mean, I, I just assume there's yeah. going to be some spies jogging along behind you, or a couple of dames, yeah, who are in the middle of an interesting breakup with the same guy or something. You know, yeah. There's going to be all these things, but I, it looks very familiar. That's the, it's the East River. Yeah, East River. I okay. got a new song called East River Run, but it didn't make my new album. Which okay. comes out October 11th. Oh, That's great. plug. Yeah. Good. Um, but you also were saying, like, okay, that you had a gift for lyrics, but you, you didn't consider yourself particularly, I guess, musically... Uh, gifted, or uh, I don't know. That's I, not how you put it. But I, I didn't have an aptitude for it. I had to force it. But I, oh, okay, because it's your musical gift is is real extreme. I feel like in songwriting wise, like I tend to write like three chord songs, whereas yours are like, you know, very kind of melodically complicated and and chord structurally like unusual, but in in a way that's not like at all boring and it still rocks and it's like that's what oh, the Beatles you. were good at too like stuff like that but like so I feel like you have this unusual aptitude towards both lyrical um, gifts and musical gifts which I think is unusual because a lot of times people are really good at lyrics but they tend to just write three chords which is fine yeah you know it's nothing wrong with that but no you know what i mean can you expand on that at i all? think too few chords is better than too many that's true you I know would definitely that agree with that. that saying the three chords and the truth thing and yeah. um you can actually or lou reed said any more than two chords is jazz <laughs> <laughs> well, he had his jazz phase, you know. For sure. I mean, fretless bass, jacuzzi, and the, the all those the, the stuff in the seventies with the sax player Mar mm -hmm. Marty Fogel or whatever. And um, and he he was teetering down the jazz path for a while. Yeah. But um, yeah, I Brilliant. I think you can you can reduce like you can simplify a lot of Beatles songs to three chords, but actually they might have six. But the Beatles, now you mention them, um, you know, uh, 
who are in the pantheon of the sacred along with cheese for me but the the beatles are they wait they're they're up there with cheese they're up there with cheese and obsolete electric now attraction oh yeah now no. you're going a little crazy oh man <laughs> Paul McCartney, Mimolette, no, actually John Lennon's Mimolette, McCartney's probably Pecorino, George, Ringo's a Brie, and George is probably a wholesome, oh, actually, George, George, he might be a moody blue cheddar, and one of those blue stilton ones, you know. Something you put but, on a steak. Yeah, please. Poor old George, yes. <laughs> Harrison on steak, you know, we had supper there once. Um... <laughs> I've just been in Britain, so I can imagine it. But uh, yeah, you know, they, they, they never seemed too complex. They were very good at being smart enough not to seem clever. Yeah. Um, there's a real well, they still, art they have, Like yours, you they know. have good choruses. Yeah, they have. Like you never forget about, oh, here's a good chorus. And you have a melodic gift. So oh, it's thank you. fun. It's, I'm not trying to like completely compliment you over, over and over again, but it's just true. And like you're, you <laughs> nice. know, like you're like, uh, it's fun like yeah you don't forget the fun oh well I think the darker it gets the lighter it needs to be you know mm. so if you've got some that was the problem with the, one of the problems with George Harrison you know he, he got terribly serious and he got very miserable and people don't necessarily really? want to buy all that stuff in the 70s living in the material world and you know uh. help me Lord to rise above these people and all that kind of, you know it was very it, it was like hippies gone sour, but he, you, um, you just kind of, in a way, the more grim you're dealing with in terms of thoughts, mm. the more snappy it has to be presented, which yeah. is why it like always winds up as comedy. You. I want, you know, it's that, yeah, you know, you, yeah. you, you can't make things sound as bleak as they are. Yeah. Um, like balance, you know, like uh, a good cheese. Yeah, like you, like you, like, you, like well, yeah, exactly. You need balance for every mimolette. There must be a Paul McCartney. <laughs> um, you know, I, I saw him in Las Vegas a few weeks ago, and he. Have you seen McCartney? No. In, in, um, still worth it. His voice is a little thinner, but he is in fantastic shape, and he will go on for three and a half hours, and. Um, holds up for you well he's obviously really into it music is ageless you're yeah. ageless man you like i was surprised oh, i mean you know i didn't know how old you were when i saw it i was like oh i thought you were like 10 years younger than that at least i didn't you know not, oh. that, not that it's a numbers thing it doesn't really matter because you know but i'm just saying like i think music preserves youth but also we're learning that there is no time limit with music as we once thought don't you think oh. Well, it's rock and roll started as a young person, young man's game. Like yeah. now, it's an old folks' game. You know, the it prime is. exponents are all in their mid seventies. Yeah. The only thing is, they, I can't see even the Stones and McCartney lasting more than another fifteen years. I mean, they may outlast our civilization as we know it, but <laughs> once they get the know. chips put in their brain, it's all—it's like they can just go on forever. Well, plus they're going to get cloned. Funny you should say that. I mean, we are we are merging with our phones now. Yeah, and, that's happening. Elon you know, Musk. And we can't afford to lose our phones. They're going to have to become implants. And once they become implants, they're going to become emotionally involved with us. Yep. And we with them. I, I suspect mm. if we don't destroy ourselves as a species, we're going to become iPhones, and this may be the purpose of human existence that we've spawned these things. Yeah. Hey, viewers, can you see this? I'm holding an Apple iPhone 9, 10, something Should like that. Should we talk about conspiracy theories? This oh. is your different, your distant grand, great grandmother. This, this, this. Hello. Hello, Gran. <laughs> What's it like in it? Not so bad. How yourself? Had a nice cup of tea. Oh yes, lovely. I'm with Mr. Arthur. Oh, Mr. Ehud. Yeah, he's just over there. Look. Oh, look, Mr. E Hello. <laughs> and they're gonna. That's that's probably gonna be our legacy is the phones, and yeah. um, and they won't age. And it's possible. Maybe there's a chip in Paul. Might, I don't that know. Might change. The chip I mean, is if, happening. If you look at the phones, I'm we, not getting the been, chip. <laughs> it's been twelve. It's only been twelve years since, yeah. since like the iPhone revolution. Yes. Uh, it could still, it could still take a positive turn somewhere. Well, I'm not saying it's not positive that we merge with our phones. It may be the only way we survive. Yeah. You know, uh, everything's inevitable with hindsight. And there'll probably be, if there is any 
historical memory of this period in a couple of hundred years time they'll say this was a they whatever it is will say this was a time of enormous uh, technological evolution and psychic unrest and it was only when sir william apple discovered the iphone in 2008 that the the path became clear and you know st jobs you know, may his soul forever rotate you know saw the whatever it is and then but they'll get some things confused, like they'll think Peter Frampton invented the fax machine or something. You know, there'll be little bits of inaccuracy. They'll think that... You didn't? <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I know. I know. It's, well, no, it's the talk box. It's another crusher, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh God, do you remember that far back? Of course. Was that like, oh, baby, I love... You know, that was like, you know, Frampton comes alive. Yeah. yeah Did yeah. he have that? I'm 47, that. I mean, I'm not that young. Uh, I suppose not. Yeah, no, I'm you're not, not that old. I'm not that old. I'm not that young. I'm, I'm, I'm in between her. That's wonderful. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> so, what do you think is the best? I, I want to talk about Beatles solo albums or mm -hmm. conspiracy theories. Beatles solo albums. Which way, which way should we go? Let's go Beatles solo albums. Oh, I know more about them. But, I'm but you, we can probably merge them. No, they have to interlink no. somehow. Yeah. But like, what did you think of uh, John Lennon's Plastic Ono band album? Uh, that's my favorite Beatles solo Mine album. Mine too. I kind of think after that he could have packed it in. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure he had anything much to say after that it was mm. like it all came out it was an amazing one um it? and it, it left him as a bit of a kind of crater i think it was sort of like so he was good. still there what but god mother um, starts with mother um i found out oh, okay. mm -hmm. um uh, hold on john uh, well 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 which is a, mm -hmm. a, a total favorite you know i mean mm. just that I mean, that's a record he couldn't have made with the other Beatles. He had Ringo, but he didn't need yeah. Paul or George on that. I think George uh, played on... Uh, George is on Imagine. Oh, okay, yeah. But, but the, you know, yeah, right. Imagine's a much mellower record, and it's it, it's more inconsistent. After that, he had a couple of, you know... That's true. I love his voice, but I think he he kind of... I just think he, he was probably... It was probably more burned out than people realized. You yeah. know? Paul was still boppy, and Paul was always the right side of his drugs, and Paul had the catchy tunes. And mm -hmm. What I think about the Beatles solo is that they're like, if you separate a color photograph, if you've seen them when they break a color photo down into blue, um, yellow, mm -hmm. pink, and red, um, and red, red and green, and, and e you see the same image. Um, but in a different color mm. and each of those images there's something slightly suffocating like oh god blue and white or oh god yellow and white it's too much of just this one hue you put them all together yeah. and you've got color it's brilliant yeah. but, and I feel like the Beatles separated into individual colors and much as I love green there's only so much green you can take you know and, and yeah but they, all things must pass is pretty brilliant that's good but again that was the that was the songs he built up a lot of them uh -huh. that the others wouldn't record right. you know and paul so it still had that yeah energy. it still had i think the beatles songs were best when they were still competing with each other yeah that and com competition the, yeah good that in competition music. and then i think george you know got hopelessly lost john and george got very self-involved and lost and paul stayed snappy but even paul had less and less to well that degree of know. fame i mm. think probably kind of messes you up a little bit plus like for like people yes. like us you know it's like still about survival mm. you know like there's still an element of like hey i gotta like i you know there's that fuel yeah. of survival that's still pushing you if if you're completely taken care of and comfortable i think it's like you're you're working oddly against that sort of melees or ap yeah. apathy in a way which you know how hard this stuff is to do so to have that nuclear fuel of i don't want to be homeless is really good yes yeah <laughs> that's that's the big plus of it yeah, yeah the, that's, um, a big, that's a big plus um I mean, there are a lot of things 
There were a lot of things going against the Beatles solo, not least of which was that it was after 1970 and the momentum years were over. Mm. Things were no longer accelerating as fast as they had between 62 and 69. They, you know, the, the Beatles left the, a completely different world from the one they came into. Mm. Um, but, you know, modern life kind of began in about 1969. People after that were didn't have to be married to have sex. It was generally accepted that people Wait, would what? probably... Sorry, Joseph. <laughs> Wait, I've been waiting all this time. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't let them find out on the on the East Side River Run. <laughs> yeah. So, like you know. that that Imagine or no, the Plastic Ono Band album yeah. too. Like that's the production of it particularly is like super raw and amazing yeah. too. Yeah. Also produced by Phil Spector. But yeah, I don't know what he did about it. Super you can, minimal. You can hear Phil Spector on All Things Must Pass, can't yeah, you? Yeah, he's, he's you know. overdoing it almost. Big sound, arguably. yeah, yeah. But yeah. what I liked about the Plastic Ono band was that minimalism, and there was this yeah. old video I saw of Yoko Ono actually saying, like, hey, the band's being too jammy, make them focus more. And yeah. I, did you ever see that? Where no, not She that actually yeah. gave input like that was like, yeah, really good input. Oh, was that on? Uh, was that on the Imagine session or the? Maybe it was the, the Imagine yeah, session, yeah. but it could have been yeah. that. But uh, it's the similar advice to what ended up being Plastic Ono Band vibe yeah. and sound. You know, even though maybe that was before Imagine, but Plastic Ono Band, I always thought was influenced by Bob Dylan's John Wesley Harding. That it was a kind of right. um, deliberately under. Under fin, under underdubbed, you know, you there could was see all the way to the bottom. Yeah, you can see the bottom. There was no kind of let's put a keyboard in here just to make it yeah. nice and let's um, let's cushion this with some nice sounds. They were both uh -huh. records that seemed to be very much about just the songs and the statement yeah. and the absolute bare minimum. I mean. John Wesley Harding's much less emotional and it's quite oblique. It's, but it's one it's, of my favorites. Well, it's him stepping away from from, from what he created. On it was the one right you know? after Blonde on Blonde, yeah. which is crazy, after the motorcycle accident. Yeah. And then it's like the weirdest, yeah. most minimal album uh, and ever. Right, and I feel like that might have influenced John when he made his first his stepping away from the Beatles. You know, mm. okay, I'm not going to have... I'm just not going to have the lushness, the orchestrations, the harmonies, all the, you know, Dylan didn't have harmonies, but Blonde on Blonde was very, quite a jungle of sound, oh, you yeah. know, and it's no, that it's thing four. of, like, I just step away and cut out everything. I mean, it's a good yeah. thing to do occasionally, and if you ever do that with records, I mean, not that we're in those sort of positions that those guys were in, but just like, Okay, what's what's the essence? Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make an essence record here, and that will sound deliberately unfinished almost. But yeah. you know, you whatever is in the songs is gonna come through. Mm. Um, I don't know. It's a good thing to try mm. from time to time. Absolutely, uh, yeah. but it's more powerful. I feel I feel like a lot of the modern pop music, like trap music, kind of is in that realm too like super minimal like i think a lot, like one thing i could say good about new pop music and trap music is they really do like embrace minimalism what's trap music like i guess modern pop music or like sort of hip-hop oriented. Oh. I, don't, I don't know the different why it's called trap music it's probably a certain tempo and yeah beat, but just that sort of 808s and just a vocal, just that real minimal sound. Oh, really? Like, you know, I don't know. Hip-hop also has a lot, has brought in a lot of that minimalism. Oh, really? Yeah. That, is that a newish thing? Um, it's just what I've noticed <laughs> yeah. about pop yeah. music. Like, there's, there's some of that going on, you know, and that's kind of cool. That's sort of inspiring. Oh, that's good. I, yeah. I mean, I can't really... I don't know, the, the way stuff that I assume is in the chart sounds now is so different from the way I think about songs being written. You know, yeah. for me, songs are written on a piano or a guitar. Yeah, these are written um, on laptops. Yeah. Like with video game sort yeah. of ideology. Like, yes. But, uh, but I know some uh, of the younger people doing that, and it is kind of mind-blowing still. I mean, it's so different than what I do, too, because I'm yeah. just overdubs and that type of thing I, I mean exactly I don't think there's anything wrong with it it's just so different and I've never felt the need to try and 
figure follow it, out. it or figure it out because yeah. I'm not really a commercial artist and I'm yeah. I suppose also I'm not I'm not really <laughs> well I'm I'm not I'm not interested in machinery I have an aversion to machinery I'm I'm dependent on this phone but I you know I don't have a car I I don't even know I can just about change a light bulb if I can find another light bulb to replace it but mm. machinery and learn manuals and operating stuff and I don't have a recording st- I don't have a, I'm the only person in Nashville without a home studio how do you like um, living in Nashville I l- really like it when I'm there I mean I'm taking off and landing a lot but yeah. uh, it's a great musical it's it's a hive of musicians, you know. Um, it says "Welcome to Music City" when you get to the airport. Yeah, they're not kidding. You know, they're very good people to find, and they will play stuff that sound like you've been playing together for a month and you've just met. Right. See why Dylan did Blonde on Blonde all those Hands years ago. And, you know, yeah, there. just so. And and some of those guys are still there. Charlie McCoy's still there. Who played bass um, bass on John Wesley Harding and Nashville Skyline? Do you and he was the, any of them he out? was the musical uh, director on Blonde on Blonde. I've met him and Wayne Moss, uh, who played guitar on Blonde on Blonde, and that was interesting. But it was at a kind of dillathon, you know. It was people asking questions. Um, oh, okay. We were on a we were on a panel, but I I, I said, what did you make of? Bob Dylan, you know the the lyrics compared to what you were used to working with. How did it? How did this strike you? Uh-huh. And he said, "Well, if you're asking me, if did we have weirder people than Dylan? We certainly did." <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes, but I think he's also someone who doesn't want to seem like he would be phased by anything. You know, like, mm. "Wow, we get all sorts here and we can deal with them." You know, <laughs> that right. sort of. Yeah. Okay, fine, up you can. You know, but yeah, I, I like just, Dylan's no big deal kind of thing. Well thinking about what he was and what Nashville was then it's a very strange collision and but I remember back then you know the scribes in Rolling Stone going sort of what the heck what's he up to and what you know it goes with his like just like I don't know just going against type or just going like kind of almost Mm. like putting himself into like hey I'm just one of the guys and I'm coming down here with my songs like old timey it's almost like that Old timey. Oh. I think you would be great at like writing a ten songs and taking just random Nashville studio musicians and just making a record in three days. Do you ever think about doing that, or have you I done that? I do. I haven't, but I might while I'm still there. Um, be good if I could write in that. And I do think about it. What would it be like to write a ten songs in a but again, you see, it's old-fashioned. I don't, you know, like... But that's good. I, I wouldn't be writing 10 bro-country songs about... No. Um, how I'm out there with my Republican chick drinking Republican beer in a Republican car thinking... You know, I would... Uh, and, and that's what it is, because, you know, as far as I can see, the it whole thing is... Robin a, it's a, songs. Yeah, well, you know. see, as, a, as a flaming hippie socialist, it my... Should be like, it, should, <laughs> it should be flaming hippie and, socialist, um, Robin You know, Dylan was a radical Jewish... The last anyth- anyone knew about him, he was a kind of Jewish radical intellectual dude from New York who suddenly was down there recording with these good old boys and people were going what the fuck you know, what's he doing and then he then he you know within three albums he was making Nashville Skull and he was sounding like one of them and uh-huh. everybody you know the the Rolling Stone and all you know everyone else said what you know what's our boy doing he's gone over to the other side you yeah. know this is Nixonian damn it and you know Dylan was going oh love is all there is you know mm-hmm. but all he'd done was swap places with the Beatles yeah um, and but, he's just you know, punk rock to, and, the, and to the end <laughs> that's the thing about him well he's he's perverse you yeah, know exactly. I think that's I, whatever you th- I think that's the only you can safely say whatever you, you think he is he's going to try and prove he's the opposite yeah so you know he relishes doing adverts for women's underwear yeah but isn't that um, the hardest <laughs> job in a way like to just to like sort of shake people's perceptions like that yeah probably including shaking one's own and it's probably yeah. good to kind of actually wrong foot yourself you know uh-huh. um i because think i'm this the, kind of the person yeah is interesting yeah yeah i like yeah taking chances and making mistakes on purpose almost well yeah sometimes maybe the only way you can do something new is by making a mistake yeah i mean musically it's not necessarily so good in life but well, although you yeah, could argue you could argue that mistakes are just um 
things that take a long time to work out you know that's um, true what seemed like a mistake after 15 years actually proved to be an interesting move but right I don't know. You find that. I, I find that to be true. Yeah. Like the worst things in my life that have happened to me so far have provoked the most positive changes. So, I mean, oh. so therefore, like, okay, is it bad? I mean, yeah, it, there is suffering and there's pain there. But, and still, you know, it lingers. But at the same time, that's also what fuels me towards, like, a life outside of apathy. Yeah. You know? Yeah, well, so it's the element, it's the random coming in. Um, it's allowing allowing that to come in, yeah. which is in a way also part of maybe accepting that one's ego or one's desire to control things is kind of limited. Like, you know, we are actually... We're at the mercy, we're on those currents, mm. you know we are we are the fish we're not the sea we are the birds we're not the air we mm. don't to some extent we everything we do has an effect and yet <laughs> nothing can be controlled mm. so everything has significance but nothing can be interpreted you know it's um what do you mean by that i mean that you know like the butterfly wing theory and all that that right. everything you know if, if you snap your fingers somehow this will affect a childbirth in Shanghai or something and that child will yeah that child will grow up with an obsession with fingers and then you we're know fucking with yeah, kids in China right now well dude. you're doing it more successfully than I am oh no yep, good yeah turns out I can do yeah see that's it Robin. yeah <laughs> that's one, one thing I got on you Mr. Arthur's snapping so, yeah um, so yeah you know but so, uh, exactly um but uh, so you, but you don't really know what it is <laughs> Yeah. You never know what it is. Do you believe is. in free will? Does it believe in me? I don't know. I mean... Do you think, like, you know, the theory that, like, I don't know, like, Sam Harris talks about, like, he's like a philosopher, current modern philosopher guy that talks about there's no such thing as free will because everything is, like, predetermined and stuff like this. I don't, it's above my pay grade to talk about it Same with any yeah. kind of brains, but... I mean, it doesn't... I don't know if it makes any difference. Maybe right. on some level, everything. If, if if it is predetermined, it's so complicated that yeah, but who knows? Uh, that, yeah, you can't you can't look in the manual and see. I mean, you can always see what you should have done eventually if you live long enough. You have some perspective. Yeah. If you leave a song alone for five years, you yeah. can usually finish it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, certainly perspective certainly works with art. I think. Do you just, songs usually take a long time for you, or real quick, or is it all? They all usually, what the essence of a song usually comes through in thirty seconds. If right. it's gonna be a song, I've got it. Sometimes I lose interest in a song, and I have to go back and see where, 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 where at this point has it lost me? I've made a, taken a wrong turning. I have to go back. Hmm. But sometimes songs just get a bit complicated and you I can't more to do with editing mm. you know what about you, Queen Elvis Queen Elvis came quite fast but uh, actually the way I perform it now has changed from the recording mm. I've actually I think there's there's one less verse somewhere or there's one less middle bit or when people play People who've learned it from the record and they say, let's do Queen Elvis. And I've. They always fuck it up. Well, I fuck it up because yeah. I've actually. Because it's mutated. You know, some songs. McCartney's very good at this. He comes up with an arrangement and he'll play the same one forever. Mm. Bob Dylan at the other end, the other. You know, he. he the paint doesn't dry on his compositions. After yeah. about 15 years, they just start to get runny. And then after 30 years, they're shapeless. One's oil paint, uh, one's acrylic. <laughs> well, then Paul... God, Paul's I don't acrylic. know. Paul's acrylic. He dries very fast. Yeah. Whereas Bob, yes. There's paintings in the MoMA that still aren't dry. Yeah, well, most of his never seem to dry. And I yeah. think that's what we, the listener doesn't understand, is that for him, they're probably not finished. Yeah. Whereas I think Paul goes, this is it, and it'll be like this forever. He'll play yeah. the old arrangement he did on Revolver, and it's 
very satisfying because you get exactly what you remember. Right. Um, but Dylan's more challenging, I suppose, to, but also sometimes incomprehensible. And for me, I am more of the more of the Paul and the Dylan. I, but I notice my songs mutate; they just change. Just the arrangement changes a bit, mm. you know, and some of the phrasing. And do do you get that? With your yeah. really old, if you play something from like 20 years ago. Yeah, I'm, I, I always mess with them. I'm more like, I guess, from the Dylan school of thought ah. with that, I would think. You know, like I, I just reinvent them. Yeah. I find, I find fans to be fickle when, when that happens. They don't like it sometimes. They, they get upset when the artist doesn't perform the album version. People, they, they, yeah. don't, no. they don't understand the concept that they, to them, the song is not that anymore. People like what they first sure. heard. Uh, that's the thing. God, I have so many yeah. other questions for you. Damn it. Um, Damn it. Like, I wanted to ask you about psychedelic drugs and oh, therapy. Ask me about psychedelic drugs and therapy. Okay. Okay. Uh, it's like those badges people would wear, you know. Well, ask the, me about psychedelic drugs you know, and therapy. The reason I wanted to ask you is because your, your songs have this complicated space of, like, self-reflection. Yeah. And... and uh, and I just want to know where that comes from. And also, it has they, they have this psychedelic edge to them, too. And I just want to know where that comes from, and then you can go. <laughs> well, <laughs> sir. Well, not before that. Well, but you, not before since, that. Since you <laughs> ask, I never took very much in the way of psychedelic drugs. Yeah. Um, but I absorbed a lot through the people I listened to. Mm -hmm. So because I was 14 in 1967, when... Everybody I loved was basically tripping quite heavily or had. Mm -hmm. um, that attitude to some extent came through. But by the time I took LSD, which I did a few times in the 70s, I was very wary of it. Mm. I didn't think, okay, you know, this is it. I'm going to levitate. I'm going right. to float above New Mexico. My third eye is going to open. I was, was already open. Well, it was as open as I felt it was going to be. So yeah. I simply could see some effects and some interesting visual effects. Um, but I never saw anything that really wasn't there. I just, certain things were... You know, like I noticed for the first time that the local recording studio had a really disgusting piece of fungal mold in the kitchen, and I'd never that spotted like it before. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think it was just, you know, I sort of, I suddenly realised what was actually there. You oh, know, right, it probably funny. probably made me just look, and I thought that guy looks like a tomato. You know, I just sort of, you, I think it. it um, but I also felt like psychedelia, psychedelic drugs acid was going to interfere with my ego i tried writing a poem when i was tripping and i thought there's no point writing a poem because it's all actually happening around you what are you right. going to say you know and i i felt dwarfed you That's know i just thought it was like when i was a kid i was jealous of the sun because it was more important than i was my ego was so fragile That's that funny. i you know, i didn't like london because it was too big for me you, you gotta know? write a song called jealous of the sun oh i was my god yeah well, I'm jealous of the sun. Well, I was. <laughs> not, now really I'm sort of thinking, oh, great, there's some sun out, you know. But yeah. I, I just, I was a really, it, I wasn't even competitive. I was so fragile. I just yeah. would feel kind of threatened by things and then run I was away. Just you jealous know. by Kiss. He would. The band. I just wanted to be like on that did album you? cover and makeup with like spinning blood. Did you ever try it? <laughs> no. So what about the therapy end of that question? The therapy end is something that I'm still exploring, and I think it's really good. And as um, my uh, wife, Emma, just showed me a little cartoon someone had done on the net, which just said, um, most, most people in therapy are suffering as a result of people who won't have therapy. Huh. Um, you know, actually, working on yourself, looking into yourself, you know, it's like, it's in a way, it's like a, a plane trying to undergo repairs while it's flying. You know, you've got to yeah. go out in the wing and fix the engine, Sarge. There's no choice. Oh, blimey, really? It's windy out there. I know, but you're the man for it, Bates. Go. Yeah. And it's that sort of, I think it's really important to, to do it. I totally endorse therapy. I know you can maybe be too self-involved, but I, I don't know. I think it's, the alternative is people who 
What was it Donald Trump said? Oh, I don't like to look into myself. I might not like what I see. Mm. Did he say that? <laughs> yeah, it kind of says it all, really. Yeah. Um, go on, Donnie, take a look. I'll hold your hand. <laughs> Let's see what's behind the door that says Daddy. <laughs> oh, my and, God. Um, well, you that's know, what I mean. You have songs that like mention like there's so many ways you can mess up a, a child oh, yeah, yeah. The, yeah wow. you know that kind of thing yeah. those kind of lines you know you go and you've been going there for so long i'm assuming you the way you're talking about therapy it seems like you kind of that's more recent but what you've been exploring that terrain for eons it seems like is that right probably i mean i i, I suppose i i suppose i'm introspective if if you see what i mean yeah. and i i understand but it also, it, it, I think it's made me understand other people and become more sympathetic because, I, mm. you know, I'm not a naturally empathic person. I have an awful lot of noise in my head and I'm mm. very, I'm always reacting to stimuli around me. It's probably why I can't really deal with, with drugs much because that mm. stuff is just too, it's too much. It's too, too much. Noisy. And yeah. for me, the gain is turned up quite high in life Already. anyway. So... Mm. I feel like a mic that's about to feed back, and um, but <laughs> but oh, Swifto, hang on, I'm just coming, darling. Sorry, God. Um, I'll go yeah. Better. Listen, thank you for doing Thanks. this. God, okay. Yes, yeah, we, we can talk forever. It's but, a pleasure. No, I've yeah. got to, I've got to head off because yeah. M is. Um, Dude, I really appreciate you doing thank it. You, She's Robert. just come and got the stuff, so yeah. we've got to get to the thing. She's. Stopped. I'll see you. I'll see you uh, I'll tonight. See you. Are you playing at the gig? I'm playing at the gig. Fantastic. We'll be on stage. Any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.